It's Pi Augustine, your Division One candidate for Ipswich. My plan is for a community that is vibrant and attracts world investment, a community that is connected with the state-of-the-art transport system, a community that cares for our people and environment at a time of need. Division One needs a councillor that has the energy and motivation to get things done. A community champion. Find out more about me on my Facebook page, Pi Augustine for Division One. This ad was approved by Pi Augustine candidate. Ipswich deserves strong and stable leadership you know you can trust. I'm Mayor Teresa Harding, and as your Mayor, Ipswich is once again a city that businesses are proud to invest in and families love to call home. To keep our city moving forward, I'm committed to reducing cost of living pressures, expanding our road and transport networks, delivering more for our suburbs, and boosting investment in grassroots sports in our community. So vote one Teresa Harding for Mayor for sustainable growth for Ipswich. Authorised by T Harding, 264 South Station Road, Raceview. Coming up, a change application for a compost manufacturing facility to be enclosed at Swanbank became the big issue for councillors at this month's Growth, Infrastructure and Waste Committee. Councillors had to grapple with options and decide on the best one. It's Friday, August 11, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. From the August round of committees, this month's Growth, Infrastructure and Waste Committee discussed the application for an enclosed compost facility and odour issues more broadly for over an hour and questioned council officers extensively. The application seeks to alter an existing approval to remove the approved landfill operations on part of the site at Swanbank and instead construct an enclosed compost manufacturing facility along with associated waste processing and treatment areas. So, strap yourself in for this one. It does go on a bit, but will be of particular interest to you if you experience odours in your suburb. In what was a meeting laced with many technical answers, Mayor Teresa Harding put a series of questions to Council's Development Planning Manager, Anthony Bowles. Um, How many submissions did Council receive for this compost facility and have they addressed Council's concerns raised in previous submissions? Um, Council received three submissions on this application. Um, So the content of the submissions um, related to matters that you'd probably expect from a compost manufacturing, so things like odour. Um, there were also concerns about um, impact on the road network, uh, impact on other compost manufacturing facilities, um, and compliance with the TLPI were probably the main issues. Oh, and stormwater, um, management of stormwater. So those issues um, have been managed or addressed through the assessment application and the sections of the report will deal with them. But I suppose as a starting point, um, the odour is probably the main reason um, people would make a submission or be concerned about the proposal. Um, as you'd be familiar with in our, um, our efforts for achieving compliance in this space, um, odour is largely managed through uh, the Environmental Authority with assistance from DES, or DES is the, the, the one who manages that aspect of the proposal. However, it is something that we are conscious of and we are involved in because there are um, codependencies, I suppose, in achieving compliance for these sorts of uses. So, um, however, there are conditions on the proposal and um, a compliance regime that DES will carry out. But the main way that odour is dealt with, the primary way that odour is dealt with this use is through enclosing the use. 
um, and carrying out the composting in an enclosed building, which is um, consistent with what the TLPI requires. So um, enclosed composting is supported, whereas open composting isn't supported. And that is the main method of dealing with that issue and is the, is the reason why um, DARES are satisfied that there won't be, um, well, to put it their way, is to be um, designed to avoid and mitigate environmental harm. Um, so that's how the odour will be dealt with, pri primarily by enclosing the use. Uh, as for traffic, um, there will be some road upgrades to the frontage of the use that are appropriate for the volume of traffic generated. Um, the, the, the submissions related to a section of the road where this use won't be accessing or won't be um, impacting upon. Um, the existing Remondus use does use a portion of that road, but we aren't able to make conditions that aren't related to this particular change. Um, however, we have applied conditions as best we can to address those issues with the road frontage, so there will be a small section that will be upgraded. Um, stormwater will be managed on site with appropriately designed detention facilities. Um, it's actually um, a bit unique. It is one of the few uses that can actually reuse that sort of water that is generated on the site as part of the composting process. A lot of stormwater detention facilities or bioretention basins are just a discharge only system. Um, some of this water can be reused, which is, which is good. Um, so there are appropriately qualified um, designs for the retention of stormwater that addresses that issue. Um, and finally, um, stormwater that's probably, the, they're the main issues that have been raised. Oh, the final one would, relates to, sorry, um, the impact or financial impacts on other composting uses, um, which is not really something that council is able to consider when we're talking about a commercial competition arrangement. Um, what we're looking for is assessing the impacts of the land use. Um, and there are some occasions where um, need is something we're looking at, um, but not particularly in this case, it isn't one of the assessment benchmarks. Okay, thank you, Mr Wells. I'm glad we've raised odours because our community has been putting up with odours from non-compliant waste companies for, for many years. And you've, you've talked about it being in, in case, but how can we be absolutely sure that this facility won't emit offensive odours? What is in place? Yep. Um, so look, that, that's a fair question. Um, a lot of the issue with the odours in this locality, and you can sort of see the odour heat maps in the reports, uh, a lot of the issues are coming from existing outdoor composting manufacturing facilities which over time we hope to see transition to enclosed facilities similar to this one. Really the only way to actually remove these, these odours from these other lawful uses is for them to transition to an enclosed <coughs> facility. Um, one of the reasons why it is difficult for that transition to occur is the cost and the availability of feedstock and things like that. Uh, Council will be increasing its um, con contribution to green waste through the, the FOGO program that we're adopting, which is something that in a way is quite helpful um, for getting other uh, green waste operations to be um, able to adapt and change to this style of processing. So really the only way to reduce the overall odours in the area is to have more of the facilities enclosed. So this proposal is one of those facilities that will be enclosed um, and most of the odours contained and filtered through a biofilter system to uh, reduce the odours that are generated from that activity. It isn't going to reduce the odours from another facility, unfortunately. Um, it will um, also still have some odour. So the finished stock, the pasteurised um, um, material, does emit some odour. But compared to an open window, it's, it's a fraction of that. It's, it's about um, maybe one-seventh of the odour. Um, so um, most of the odour is emitted during the 
composting process where um, a lot of liquid waste is added. Um, that is the part that happens outside at some operations and that is the, part, the main contribution to odour that isn't happening here. Okay. Um, so um, we're, we're fortunate in that this isn't the, the first enclosed facility that um, this council has been able to assess an application on. So you might recall the WI application which the council approved um, a little while ago. Very similar. Um, there are some differences in that that had a biofuel component which was able to use some other extracted resources. What we should expect in the future is there is a transition to these enclosed facilities is a reduction in odour. This is really the way to achieve that um, because we aren't reducing the waste quick enough to eliminate the need for this type of facility. Okay. Um, and does council have any legal reason to not approve this application? It, it would be difficult. Um, so the council is able to make make a decision not mm -hmm. to approve it. Um, that would be subject likely to an appeal afterwards. Mm -hmm. The type of application isn't a new use. It, well, it, we're adding a use, but we're changing the existing approval. So there's an existing approval for a landfill on this spot and the, the area that they are proposing the use. Um, I think it could be argued that this type of use will have uh, fewer impacts than a landfill use. Um, it speeds up the re remediation of the section of land where the site is located. Um, so it, it would be difficult to argue that there are creating new and negative impacts when we're potentially reducing them through the introduction of this use. Um, not that that is the only yeah. test. When we're doing, carrying out an assessment of another change application, um, we're assessing it, the, the new component essentially like a new application in that it goes to the same person, it goes to public notification as well. But it's in the context of what is changed from the existing approval yeah. being a landfill. So it's not in isolation, it's within the planning scheme and in consideration of the existing land use, which makes it difficult to create an argument that um, we should be refusing or sit recommending a refusal on the proposal. Okay. Um, noting with, I know it's a different site, but clean away and cell 3B and obviously the groundwater Mm -hmm. um, level changed. Um, the the retention by retention basis on this. How does that interact with groundwater and what's what's in place for that? Um, what the the function of the basin is to collect any mm -hmm. sort of concentrated flows of water that are normally collected on hard stand or if in the where there's a scenario where there is no buildings there, it just falls on the ground and eventually flows through the natural channels and valleys and things like that in in pools. So there are already some pools on the site which retain water. Um, there's one near the, the road, um, but this is a new basin in a location where it is collected and channelised and then directed to a lawful point of discharge. Um, the, I'm asking, how do we make sure this is not another cell 3B? Yeah, okay. Well, the main, I suppose the main thing is we're not digging into the ground and, right. and accessing or um, making contact with the groundwater table. The stormwater basin, basin is a is its main purpose is to uh, restrict the amount of flows leaving the site so that it isn't uh, a scenario where it's worse than it was if there was no development. So it's, it, it concentrates it, but it releases it at a slower rate. It doesn't interact with the groundwater directly like a digging into the ground would do. Okay. Um, it, it is a basin, but in terms of depth, it's, it's nothing compared to okay. um, a, base, a, um, a landfill cell. It doesn't have that sort of um, uh, lining system or anything like that. It's, it's purpose is to um, capture and slow down the, the pace yep. of the water leaving the site, but it still goes to a lawful point of discharge. Councillor Paul Tully had these questions for Anthony Bowles. It talks about um, 
uh, screen compost um, being stored outside mm -hmm. for uh, six, at least six weeks. Now, uh, I assume that, that that comment within our report, the officer's report, might also um, relate to one of the objections with objectors that raises the issue of um, the outdoor area mm -hmm. where there'd be um, odour impacts. Um, so what's the validity of that aspect of the objection? Um, if I'm reading this correctly, you've got the outdoor area, an objector saying that has the potential for odour impacts, mm -hmm. um, d despite the enclosed nature of the general operation. Um, are you able to comment on that, please? Yes. So the finished material still does have an odour. Um, it is just significantly lower than the odour emitted from the processing component. So it is valid to say that the outdoor component will emit odour. It, it emits odour though at a much lower rate and not a rate that brings it above the already background odour from that area, which is admittedly high because of the existing uses. Um, but it's about one-seventh of the odour of um, the, the, uh, an open window, for example, so it's, it's much, much lower. Uh, and it's really, to compare it to um, uh, something you might be familiar with, it is it's close to finished product. It has been pasteurised. So you, if you were to put it in your garden, it would be similar to that sort of odour in a way. It would be, a, but obviously it's a much larger amount. Um, but look, it, it does have odour, but compared to a um, window, it's significantly less. Just finally, on page 26, it talks about the process having, uh, the entire process, I assume, uh, minimum external impacts and um, elsewhere in the report it talks about limited, nil or limited odour discharge. Um, can you just comment on whether that just refers to that outdoor area or the entire process that we're, we're using the word uh, minimum or, or limited odour discharge? Is, is there a risk um, in relation to that uh, because of our uncertainty or the general uncertainty of the nature of the operation and whether or not odours can be successfully contained. Um, so in, there's really two areas where the odour um, could come from. So the, the one that would be the major generator, I suppose, would be the outdoor storage area, um, which we talked about in a minute ago. But the, the, the worst odours are contained within the facility, which is under um, negative pressure. So um, it isn't um, blowing out doors, for example, it's it, the air is getting sucked in when doors are open. So the doors are sealed for the vehicles um, before you know, before they enter and they come in and they close again. Um, there's negative pressure while the door is open, keeping the air in. Um, after that, it is going through a biofilter process, um, and there's quite a large biofilter on this site where the air is collected and pumped through. Um, if it isn't reused in the site, it is um, emitted through the biofilter, which is a process where um, uh, the biological processes um, essentially scrub the air from the odor from the air um, and allows it to be emitted um, at a rate which has much lower odor. So um, I think there's a combination of sources of odor. So the, the, the extracted air would be quite low because of the biofilter and the um, storage area. So th there's no denying that there will be some odor. However, the amount of odor is significantly less than the essentially the background odour. So there's already odour in that area because of the existing land uses. If you were to lower the other background odour, um, this would be contained to a level which would be acceptable under the um, uh, under DES's requirements. So normally the requirement is two and a half odour units um, at a sensitive receptor. So 
the source of the odour, um, the compost, the stored area is 0.7 odour units. So it's emitting 0.7 when the acceptable limit for a sensitive receptor is 2.5. So um, the problem is all those other sensitive receptors are already above 2.5 because other uses are around. So when, uh, in, the, in the future when all those uses are reducing the amount of odour, this particular use will only be contributing from the outdoor area 0.7 odour units to that, which is, is less than the 2.5. And that's at the, the source. A final question from Councillor Marnie Doyle. Final question from me, Mr Bowles. Um, just so I'm clear, if we don't approve this change, the original uh, DA stands, and, and so that will can be um, landfill. Yes, Is that right? That's right. In Thank fact, you. part of the site can, can still be used as landfill under the current approval. So this, this corn's office section, yep. um, you know, it's a, it becomes a, a site that is partially remediated. They might be suitable for other uses in the future. So, for example, the anaerobic sort mm -hmm. of digestion we talked about before. Um, so uh, it, it may be an encouragement for the operator to um, consider using the site and remediating the site for, for higher and better industrial uses. Um, but it is capable of being used for landfill, um, and particularly, and more so, if the, the um, recommendation isn't. Yeah. With discussion completed, councillors in attendance voted to approve this application under delegation, apart from Paul Tully who voted against. Councillor Nicole Jonick did not take part in the discussion or the vote. For further reading and to view the complete discussion, go to Ipswich City Council's website and the YouTube channel where you can watch the meeting on demand. The same committee meeting unanimously voted to recommend Council approve a site at 831 Redbank Plains Road as the preferred location for a new refuse and recycling centre and a new animal management facility. As detailed in the report, this site has many things going for it, including the land is council-owned, it meets a large parcel size needed for the two uses, the available spaces will allow for a co-located tip shop and shared visitor car parking, separation of traffic flows for waste, recycling and animal management visitors, allocation of space for disaster waste storage or other council fleet, internal spaces to create queuing and to remove flow issues, and it can be designed with future growth and expansion over time. Again, you can read the full report online. Check out the show notes for those handy links to Ipswich City Council's meetings and agendas, and Council's YouTube channel where you can watch all meetings live or on demand. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich Today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening.
from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au.